What's up, guys? Uh, turning your Bibles to First uh, Peter, we continue on our study. First Peter, chapter one. What's up, Kira? I made it just in time. Let's pray before we dive in. Father, we are unworthy to call you Father. We are unworthy to be counted as sons and daughters for those who are in Christ. We are unworthy of all that you have done in the first 12 verses of 1 Peter. We are unworthy um, of your son's precious blood spilled out for us. And Lord, tonight you command us to walk in fear. I pray that you'd give me strength um, and fill me with your spirit that I may... um, That your word would pierce hearts. People's lives would be transformed. And I pray that simple truths that we could call on you as Father would seem so magnificent. A simple truth, a glorious truth, that we have been redeemed by your Son's precious blood would really land on our hearts tonight. So I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of your people and do what only you can do in your name. Amen. So as, we've, as I went over two weeks ago, um, all, of first, all of the first 12 verses of 1 Peter are all what God has done for us. They are all going over from uh, all the way from verse 1 all the way through 12. It is God has done this, God has done this, God has done this. Uh, we see, and uh, I'm not going to go over in, in great detail like I did two weeks ago, but we see that we've been born again. He has caused us to be born again. This is God's doing. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has shown us great mercy. Uh, he has given us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Um, we are being kept by God's power. Uh, and, our, and we are being guarded through our faith that he has given us as a gift for salvation ready to be revealed. Um, we rejoice in our trials because they make us stronger in our faith. Um, we have been given uh, faith and love and uh, great joy um, through Christ and uh, what God has done for us. And um, we are obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. So all 12 verses lead up to verse 13, which is what I preached on two weeks ago. Um, our, my text tonight is um, is 17 through 19, but starting in verse 13, we had the first command. We had, therefore, and he commands, hope, hope in God. Live, uh, your, live your life in hope. And last week, Herb spoke on um, his verses, and the command that Peter had was, be holy, for God is holy. And so tonight we have the third command. So we had hope, live in hope. Live holy lives, and now we have live in fear. Conduct yourselves with fear. 
And so uh, there's a lot of misconceptions with fear and the Bible and um, just fear in general. And tonight, hopefully, it'll, it'll uh, be clearer. So uh, again, as I usually do, I'm going to go kind of phrase by phrase or little, like, um, little sections at a time. And I'm going to talk about those and kind of explain what Peter is saying. And I'm going to end with, um, I'm going to end with a couple of just closing remarks, kind of like a summary recap of and uh, emphasis on some of the things. So starting in verse, uh, we'll read from verse 13 all the way to 19. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the first command. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There's the second one. Verse 17 in our text tonight. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And so the first phrase I want to look at tonight is, and if you call on him as father. Um, notice he says, and if you call on him. So it's a continuation of his thought. Again, we have the three commands, and he's kind of going off in a row. And it's a, it's a continuation. That's why we read from verse 13 all the way through 19. And so he says, and if you call on him. The NIV says, since. Since you call on him. And I thought this is a really good translation, but uh, actually I think it, it's better interpreted uh i mean since is a great translation because he's talking about believers but peter saying and if is good for his point of uh if you are calling on god if you are doing this then you should fear and then you should be uh obedient and you should do these things so it's like a if you do this if you say you do this then this should be how the way you live your life so if is a good way it's kind of like a way to press in and kind of weigh in your own self okay if I'm doing this, then that means I should be living this way. And so uh, he says, if you call on him as father, and as I prayed, um, this is a massive truth that really oftentimes, um, and really this is what I've kind of realized throughout all of 1 Peter. There's a lot of huge, massive, significant things like we've been uh, born again. All these, these uh, Christianity talk that kind of just goes in and out of our ear. It just comes in and goes out like, okay, that's normal stuff. But I really, really want us to think about these things, to think about the things that we believe. Think about the basics of our faith. We can call God Father. That's pretty amazing. And not only that, but He treats us as sons and daughters. God Almighty, creator of the universe, creator of every one of us, the judger of the entire earth, we can call on Him as Father. And He treats us as sons, those who are in Christ. Uh, Romans 8.14 um, says it's pretty good if you want to flip there really quick. We'll be going to a diff- couple different places. Uh, Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 through, uh, we'll go through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He makes a distinction. It's all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of, of slavery... 
to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. These are, this is an amazing truth, and I've been praying all day leading up to this that we would grasp and this, this truth would land heavily on us. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we are literally heirs with Christ. And this is amazing, amazing, amazing truth. Um, and so that's, kind of, that's the first part of Peter's, uh, of our verses tonight, is um, calling on him as father. The next thing we see is, if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Uh, so we see here he's both father and judge. We are all, and, uh, and, what, and what he means when he goes to, um, so he's father and judge. He judges us and it says impartially according to each one's deeds. This, basically, this, this can be looked at in a couple different angles, but the one, uh, there's two that I want to focus on. And the one is he judges impartially. That means he judges all people impartially. He does not see the outer the outer appearance of the, is not rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter. We're all, there's a standard to be met, and we all fall short. We are all on level ground. We have all sinned. We are all condemned apart from Christ. We all fall short of the mark of holiness and perfection and righteousness, and we cannot meet this on our own. So God shows no partiality with anyone. He won't sweep sin under the rug. And the second, the second kind of aspect of this, uh, he's impartial, is God looks on the inward heart of man. When it says that he's impartial according to each one's deeds, it's not your outer makeup. It's not whatever comes out. You can't make yourself look good like the Pharisees because they were, what, what does uh, Jesus call them? They're whitewashed tombs. And the outside, they clean up the outside, and the inside is, is dirty and defiled. And this is the thing, this is what, kind of what Peter's re- referring to. As he's saying, you're saying one thing, and you could be living another way. You could be calling on him as father, yet you're not walking in fear of him. And he, he wants to get to the hard aspect of God shows uh, no partiality, and he judges according to your deeds. And that's the actions of your heart, the intentions of the, and the defilements that kind of spew out. We talked about this, um, again, a couple weeks ago, that God is holy, and he must rid the earth of wickedness. He must get rid of everything that is impure and defiled. He does so by either wrath or by sending his son to atone for the sins of, uh, of those people. So we see that God um, shows no partiality and he looks on the inward heart of man. Again, this is also why uh, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount was talking about if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's a heart issue. And this is something that uh, God judges. Um, he judges without in, with, uh, impartially, judges. And so next, we're going to go to um, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Uh, anytime, we, and this is the fear of God, and this is kind of like the um, the main point of what Peter is saying. This is the command to conduct yourselves with fear. Uh, anytime we see this, uh, I'm I'm reminded of the Old Testament and how constantly it was always uh, it was always instructing the Israelites to fear the Lord. 
and fear of the Lord. And anytime it would reference somebody who was good like Job, he was a man who feared God. And it was, it was a really common Old Testament theme, and it's also pretty common in the New Testament as well. Um, but go to Deuteronomy uh, 10. Keep your, keep your finger in, um, in 1 Peter. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 13. We'll see what I'm talking about here. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What does he require of us? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. This is for our good that we fear God and that we keep his commands. And this isn't this fear that I'm talking about is obviously it's not a, uh, a we're terrified of God. We're afraid of um, like we're afraid on Halloween of scary costumes. It's we have a, a reverence and an awe. And the big word that I that um, I see often and I think what Peter's referring to in his text is honoring him. You're calling on him as father and you're not walking in fear of him. You're not honoring him. If you walk in fear of him, of his uh, him being your father, we, we fear our, our earthly fathers, and we also, we also recognize them as our judge and as our master, or, else we, or we should. And so we are honoring him as father. This is the, what he means by fearing. Fear is heeding God's commands and obeying them. It's, it's hearing the command and diligently seeking to, uh, to obey it. Being in awe of his majesty and power and greatness. Seeing him and going, holy smokes, this is a great and glorious and powerful God. This is fearing him. And again, it's honoring him as father and fearing him as your uh, master and judge. Uh, Malachi 1.6, I told you we're going to be flipping a lot. This is the last, um, go over there with me. It's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi. Malachi 1.6, this is like perfect for tonight's message. Malachi 1.6, this is the Lord speaking to um, the priests who are atoning for sin. It says, A son honors his father. This is the Lord speaking. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? We should ask ourselves this. Or we should imagine it's God talking to us. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. So he's saying, you're offering these, these um, you're, you're basically just doing lip service. Again, and also, and I think I have in my notes somewhere, in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, he's basically saying, 
I don't even, I'm not even delighting in these sacrifices anymore. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice with animals to atone for their sins, and it's like us confessing our sins. But we're just, they're just doing it out of lip service. They're just doing it because it's something they have to do. And in this, and in this the priests were actually offering up, uh, up sacrifices that weren't even without blemish, like they should. So it was just a common, routine thing. And it's kind of what Peter is saying in, um, in 1 Peter. He's just saying, you're calling on him as father, and yet you're living, and he's commanding to live in fear. Don't just call on him as father and uh, not listen or obey any of his commands. Um, fear, and, and this is, this is the, the main synopsis of the idea of fear that Peter wants to give us. Uh, this is also, an, kind of also another little aspect of fear. Fear that you would ever uh, trample or defile uh, on the father's the father's love or the son's sacrifice, which we'll get to in a little bit. So have a fear, have a holy reverence and a respect for God that when He gives a command, that you would ever walk and call Him Father and yet dishonor Him and not live according to His, his command and not how He's commanded us to live. Or which makes it even more more real to us, we've been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, and yet what is that saying? If we've been ransomed with precious blood of Christ, His own life. And we call on him as father, our father and our judge. And yet we walk and live however we want, not really obeying his commands. What is that really saying? It's, it's showing in our hearts that we really don't actually believe what we're saying. And maybe we're not actually calling on him as a father. Maybe he sets an imagination. It's whatever kind of God we've made up in our own hearts. Uh, John Piper tells a story It's it's um, with this idea of fearing that you would uh, trample or, or this idea of trampling on God's graciousness he, he explains it as a um as a father whose daughter gets kidnapped and there's a ransom that has to be paid for the daughter to get him back to get her back and him and his wife they don't have the money it's a fa- it's a million dollars he's got to give a million dollars in order to get his daughter back and they don't have a million dollars and so they're going to go and sell all that they have they love their daughter they want her to come back they leave the money at the designated location the people come with the daughter the daughter walks out picks up the money hands it to the guy, and he looks at her parents and goes, suckers, and they walk out. They just take the money and they roll on out. How would you, how, think about the, the, the weight of that, and think about how, obviously, the, the father would feel. This is what we do when we address him as father, and we perform lip service, and, he, and we hear his commands, and we're instructed with his commands, and then we go, okay, 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 and now I live the way I, however I want. You're trampling or defiling the blood that is the precious blood that has been sacrificed. So next, the next part of our message, knowing that you were ransomed. Uh, wait, hold on, where am I at? Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Uh, you must know that you have been ransomed from your old ways in order to accomplish any type of obedience. You must know, and you must be born again. You must know that you have been, uh, it's that Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways. If you haven't been ransomed, if you haven't been atoned for, then you are still in your sin. And you're still a slave to sin. You cannot lead, lead a, light, uh, a life of righteousness. We saw in, in, um, in Romans 8 that it was the Holy Spirit that, that guides us and directs us. So you must know that you uh, were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Uh, and this word for... Uh, Ransomed is can be translated also redeemed or bought or liberated. Um, and what I didn't mention earlier, and I'm going to mention it now, is 
when I, when I mention the conduct yourselves uh, with fear throughout the time of your exile, think of Israel and the Exodus, how God, uh, and, and picture the, the salvation and the uh, metaphorical, in the metaf- metaphorical sense and real sense to them, but metaphorical for us, of the picture of salvation. They're in slavery. They're enslaved to their former ways. They're enslaved in Egypt. God sends and rescues them with the, the spirit, rescues, you know, he sends the plagues on Pharaoh, the last ones, killing, slaughtering the firstborn son. And now God is rescuing them out of slavery. So, boom, he rescues them. They're changed. Now they're heading forwards. They go through water, kind of symbolizing baptism, and they go in. And, um, and, now, and then now they're going through all these trials, and they're living the Christian life as they're awaiting the promised land. It's the exact same thing that, we, that happens to us. And so Peter has this Old Testament um, and this Exodus mindset, and we see it again here. We have been liberated. Again, they were liberated from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Um, you, must know, you must know that you've been ransomed. You've been set free from your old ways. Daily remind yourself that you are free from your old manner of life. You are free. You are no longer in bondage to sin. You can now live righteous and holy lives. We know this. And this is also, uh, we spent a lot of time in the first 12 verses talking about the assurance of faith that we have knowing that we are kept by God's, by God's power and being guarded through the faith that he's given us. All of these things have shown us, and in, um, in verses 9, we are obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. All of this should give us great confidence in our faith that we will one day be brought into the revelation of Jesus Christ and see him for who he is and celebrate and have joy unimaginable. So we must have this assurance of faith and knowing that we are being kept by God's power. This word futile uh, or old former ways, and the word is like idle or worthless. It's their former way of life. It's, it's meaninglessness. It's, it's in vain, and it le- it's leading to destruction. And we are called to walk in the newness of life, no longer a slave to sin. So the next uh, part is not with perishable things such as silver or gold. He's just making an emphasis here that these things, these, the silver and this gold, is all fleeting and it's perishing. And he's saying, listen, this, these are things that we find as really valuable in our life. Money, all the things that we need to live. We need these to live. And I'm not saying they're bad. We need these to live. And he's saying, this isn't what you're ransomed with. This is as valuable as this is. This isn't what you're ransomed with. You're ransomed with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And these things even were used uh, for idols, obviously in the Old Testament, and even now we have different idols, but they don't save. They don't, they don't, they don't rescue you. They don't uh, save you and redeem you from your old ways that are leading to destruction. So things we count as valuable are fading and fleeting, but we have been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, and that's where we turn to next. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, Again, we see this Old Testament theme, this we are ransomed by the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. It's, this is infinitely valuable. We saw the gold and the silver will pass away and will burn and will be moved on by, it'll be long gone. But this precious blood is infinitely valuable. It will never perish or pass away. I, I want to pray again really quick. Lord, help us to see this. I am so uh, insufficient to portray these truths. 
And I really want us to see this. The preciousness of your blood, of the, of the blood of your son, has been poured out for us, those who are in Christ. I pray that this truth would land on us. Help it not to be lip service. Help it not to be Christian language. But I pray that we would see the severity and the weight that you have sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. His precious blood was poured out for us. Help us to see this. So again, with his own life, he has freed rebellious sinners from bondage and wrath. Again, think of this as Peter's, as Peter's command. To fear and to honor and to obey the commands of God. Because you have been ransomed by the blood. Again, think about if, you're, if you're, uh, you've been ransomed by the blood of Christ and you realize how amazing that is. And yet you continue to walk in sin. Continue to walk in the ways that he's commanded you not to walk in. What is that saying about your trampling all on top of the precious blood of Christ? Again, we think of Exodus and the blood of a perfect animal was necessary. Christ died once and for all to purchase our sanctification, our life, and our freedom. Through the blood of Christ, we have received all our blessings from God as his children. And now I want to get to my closing remarks. A couple things in, in summary and kind of in whole of uh, what we're going to, or what, what Peter's talking about here. So the first one is, do not live like the world while you address and call God your father. Think about how hypocritical that is. Be obedient. Have a holy fear and respect for your father. Do not say one thing and live in another way. Isaiah one thirteen. I mentioned it earlier. It says, bring no more vain offerings, incense, is an abomination to me. He's saying this because they were just doing it out of lip service, out of performance. I hope we can really see and be kind of awoken from our, our, uh, our um, boring Christianity, if you want to even call it that, our lip service, our, or lack of Christianity. And really understand and meditate and set our hope on the joy that is in store. And really uh, read and meditate on God's scripture. Really seeking something. Not just checking off a box. My next point. Live in fear of the Lord. In a sense that you honor him and his commands. Honor him by delighting to serve him. And not trampling on the precious blood of Christ. And your adoption. Again, what are you saying? If Christ has poured out his blood for you. And you address him. You literally can address him as father. And when you, even when you need something and all those things are good, you address him, you lean on him, and then he gives you a command and you're like, nah, no thanks. You're calling on him as father and it makes no difference. And his commands make no difference on your life. The next point. Know that you have been ransomed from your old ways and we have to understand this it's not in your own strength that you are obedient it's not in your own strength that you fear him it's not in your own strength that you even realize these significant truths know that you have been ransomed from your old ways 
If you don't get this, it is impossible to honor God and be obedient. The blood of Christ has given you the ability to live holy lives. Titus 2.14 says, uh, who gave Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness, from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I'm going to read it again. Titus 2.14. Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And this leads to my last point, is passionately pursue the lost. Our God is a righteous judge who shows no partiality. There's a standard to be met, and all fall short of that standard. And there is good news, good news of Christ and his precious blood poured out. And we must pursue the lost. He shows no partiality. He will save from every tribe, tongue, and language. But we know he will punish sin. That is a reality that's coming, that's in store. The offer is available to come and drink freely. Come buy wine without money, without price. And we, as believers, are ambassadors of Christ, commanded to go out and proclaim the gospel and the glorious truths, commanded to bring other people into the sheepfold. Hear the command to go and to proclaim the gospel and don't turn and walk and live your life in silence. You are trampling on the precious blood of Christ. Honor him. Fear him by spreading his glorious gospel to everyone, sharing the glory of the Father with those who are still enslaved. Let's pray. Father, I can't transform hearts like you can. Only you can prick hearts. Only you can impress upon our hearts the need and the urgency of the gospel. Only you can press upon our hearts the passion and to be zealous for good works. to being obedient, to fearing you, to honoring you, to respect you as our Father and Judge. I pray that the, the precious blood of your Son would move us to action, would cause us to be obedient, to seek the Scriptures, to love you more, to earnestly seek you with all of our might, and to live holy lives to live in hope, to be holy because you are holy, and to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. Help us, God, as we go. Please, Lord, prick our hearts. Help these truths, these simple truths, to land heavily on us as we read through your scripture. We love you, we thank you. In your name, amen.